Kafka on the Shore, Chapter 42 Once the two of them were alone, Miss Saiki offered Nakata a chair. He thought about it for a moment before sitting down. They sat there for a time without speaking, eyeing each other across the desk. Nakata placed his hat on his lap and gave his short hair a good rub. Miss Saiki rested both hands on the desk, watching him go through his routine. Unless I'm mistaken, I think I've been wanting for you to come, she said. I believe that's true, Nakata replied. But it took some time for Nakata to get here. I hope I didn't make you wait too long. I did my best to get here as quickly as I could. Miss Aiki shook her head. No, it's perfectly all right. If you had come any earlier or any later, I would have been even more at a loss, I suppose. For me, right now is the perfect time. Mr. Hoshino was very kind to me and helped me a lot. If I had had to do it alone, it would have taken even longer. Nakata can't read, after all. Mr. Hoshino is your friend, isn't he? Yes, Nakata replied and nodded. I think he is, but to tell the truth, I am not all too sure about that. Apart from cats, I have never had what you would call a friend in all my life. I have had... Any friends? I haven't had any friends either for quite some time, Miss Aiki said, other than in memories. Miss Aiki? Yes, she replied. Actually, I don't have any memories either. I'm stupid, you see. So you could tell me what memories are like? Miss Aiki stared at her hands on the desk, then looked up at Nakata again. Memories warm you up from the inside, but they also tear you apart. Nakata shook his head. That's a tough one. Nakata then still doesn't understand. The only thing I understand is the present. I'm the exact opposite, Miss Saiki said. A deep silence settled over the room. Nakata was the one who broke it, lightly clearing his throat. Miss Saiki, yes. You know about the entrance stone, don't you? Yes, I do, she said. She brushed the Montplanck pen on the desk with her fingers. I happened to come across it a long time ago. Perhaps it would have been better if I had never known about it. But I had no choice in the matter. Nakata opened it again a few days ago. The afternoon when there was light, lots of lightning falling all over town, Mr. Hoshino helped me. I couldn't have done it myself. Do you know the day I'm talking about? Miss Aiki nodded. I remember. I opened it because I had to. I know. You did that so things would be restored to the way they should be. It was Nakata's turn to nod, exactly, and you had the right to do it. Nakata doesn't know about that. In any case, it wasn't something I chose. I chose. I have to tell you this. I murdered someone in Nakano. I didn't want to kill anybody, but Johnny Walker was in charge, and I took the place of the 15-year-old boy who should have been there, and I murdered someone. Nakata had to do it. Miss Saiki closed her eyes, then opened them and looked him in the face. 
Did all that happen because I opened the entrance stone a long time ago? Does that still have an effect even now? Distorting things? Nakata shook his head. Miss Saiki? Yes, she said. Nakata doesn't know about that. My role is to restore what's here now to the way it should be. That's why I left Nakano, went across a huge bridge and came to Shikoku. And as I'm sure you're aware, you can't stay here anymore. Miss Saiki smiled. I know, she said. It's what I have been hoping for, Mr. Nakata, for a long time. Something I longed for in the past, what I'm longing for right now. No matter how I tried, though I couldn't grasp it, I simply had to sit and wait for that time. Now in other words, to come. This wasn't always easy, but suffering is something I've had to accept. Miss Saiki, Nakata said, I only have half a shadow, the same as you, I know. Nakata lost it during that war. I don't know why that had to happen, why it had to be me. At any rate, a long time has passed since then and it's nearly time for us to leave here. I understand. Nakata has lived a long time, but as I said, I don't have any memories. So this suffering you talked about, I don't really understand. But what I think is, no matter how much suffering you went through, you never wanted to let go of those memories. That's true, Miss Aiki said. It hurt more and more to hold on to them, but I never wanted to let them go as long as I was alive. It was the only reason I had to go on living, the only thing that proved I was alive. Nakata nodded silently. Living longer than I should, I should have has only ruined many people and many things, she went on. Just recently, I had a sexual relationship with that 15-year-old boy you mentioned. In that room, I became a 15-year-old girl again and made love to him. I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not, but I couldn't help it. But those actions must surely have caused something else to be ruined. That's my only regret. Nakata doesn't know about sexual desire. Just as I don't have memories, I don't have any desire. So I don't understand the difference between right or wrong sexual desire. But if something did happen, it happened. Whether it's right or wrong, I accept everything that happens and that's how I became the person I am now. Mr. Nakata? Yes. I have a favor to ask. Miss Saiki picked up the bag at her feet, took out a small key and unlocked a desk drawer, then pulled out some thick file folders and laid them on the desk. Ever since I came back to this town, she said, I have been writing this, a record of my life. I was born nearby and fell deeply in love with a boy who lived in this house. I couldn't have loved him more and he was deeply in love with me. We lived in a perfect circle where everything inside was complete. Of course, that couldn't go on forever. We grew up and times changed. Parts of the circle fell apart. The outside world came rushing into a private paradise and things inside tried to get out. All quite natural, I suppose, yet at the time I couldn't accept it. And that's why I opened up the entrance stone to prevent our perfect private world from collapsing. 
I can't remember now how I managed to do it, but I decided I had to open the stone no matter what, so that I wouldn't lose him, so that things from outside wouldn't destroy our world. I didn't understand at that time what it would mean, and of course, I received my punishment. She stopped speaking here, picked up the fountain pen and closed her eyes. My life ended when I was 20. Since then, it's been merely a series of endless reminiscences, a dark, winding corridor leading nowhere. Nevertheless, I had to live it, surviving each empty day, seeing each day off still empty. During those days, I made a lot of mistakes. No, that's not correct. Sometimes I feel that all I did was make mistakes. It felt as though I was living at the bottom of a deep well, completely shut up inside myself, cursing my fate, hating everything outside. Occasionally I ventured outside myself, putting on a good show of being alive, accepting whatever came along, numbly slipping through life. I slept around a lot, at one point even living in a sort of a marriage, but it was all pointless. Everything passed away in an instant with nothing left behind except the scars of things I endured and despised. She laid her hands on top of the three files on her desk. All the details are in here. I wrote this to put it all in order to make sure one more time about the life I lived. I have only myself to blame, blame but it's a gut-wrenching process and I've finally finished it. I've written everything I needed to write. I don't need this anymore and I don't want anybody else to read it. If someone else happened to see it, it might cause harm all over again. So I want it burned, every last page, so that nothing's left. If you wouldn't mind, I would like to ask you to take care of that. You're the only person I can depend on, Mr. Nakata. I'm sorry to bother you with this, but could you do it for me? <coughs> Nakata understands, he said, nodding seriously. If that's what you would like, Miss Saiki, I'll be happy to burn it all for you. You can rest assured. Thank you, Miss Saiki said. Writing things was important, wasn't it? Nakata asked. Yes, it was. The process of writing was important, even though the finished product is meaningless. I can't read or write, so I can't write things down. Nakata's just like a cat. Mr. Nakata, how can I help you? I feel as though I've known you for ages, Miss Saiki said. Weren't you in that painting? A figure in the sea in the background, white trousers, legs rolled up, dipping your feet in the water. Nakata stood up and came over to stand in front of Miss Saiki. He laid his hand sunburned hands on top of hers on the files. As if listening carefully to something, he felt the warmth there filter from her hand to his. Miss Saiki, yes. I think I understand a little now. About what? What memories are? I can feel them through your hands. She smiled. I'm glad. Nagata kept his hands on top of hers for a long while. Eventually, Miss Saiki closed her eyes giving herself over to memories. There was no more pain there, for someone had siphoned it off forever. The circle was once again complete. 
She opens the door of a faraway room and finds two beautiful cords in the shape of lizards sleeping on the wall. <coughs> she gently touches them and can feel their peaceful sleep. A soft wind is blowing, rustling the old curtain from time to time. A significant rustling, like some parable. She is wearing a long blue dress, a dress she wore somewhere a long time ago. Its hem swishes as she walks. The shore is visible beyond the window and you can hear the sound of waves and someone's voice. There's a hint of the sea in the breeze. Small white clouds are etched against the azure sky and it's summer. Always it's summer. Nagata carried the three thick files downstairs. Hoshima was at the counter talking to one of the patrons. When he saw Nakata, he grinned. Nagata gave a polite bow in return and Hoshima went back to his conversation. Hoshima was in the reading room all the while, deep in, in a book. Mr. Hoshino, Nakata said. Hoshino laid his book down and looked up. Hey, that took a while. You all finished? Yes. Nakata's all finished here. If it's all right with you, I was thinking we can leave pretty soon. Fine by me. I'm nearly finished with this book. Beethoven just died and I'm at the part about the funeral. Man, what a funeral. 25,000 Viennese joined the procession and they closed all the schools for the day. Mr. Hoshino, yeah, what's up? I have one more favor to ask you. Shoot. I need to burn this somewhere. Hoshino looked at the files the old man was carrying. Hmm, that's a lot of stuff. We can't burn it just anywhere. We would need a dry river bed or some place. Mr. Hoshino, yeah, let's go and find one then. Maybe this is a stupid question, but is that really so important? Can't we just chuck it somewhere? Yes, it's very important and we have to burn it all. It has to turn into smoke and rise into the sky. And we have to watch it to make sure it all burns. Hoshino stood up and stretched. Okay, let's find a big river bed. I have no idea where to look, but I'm sure Shikoku's got to have at least one if we look long enough. The afternoon was busier than it had ever been. Lots of people came to use the library, several with detailed specialized questions. It was all Oshima could do to respond and to run about collecting materials that had been requested. Several items he had to locate on the computer. Normally he would ask Miss Saiki to help out, but today it didn't look as if he'd be able to. Various tasks took him away from his desk and he didn't even notice Nakata leaving. When things settled down for a moment, he looked around, but the strange pair was nowhere to be seen. Oshima walked upstairs to Miss Saiki's study. Strangely, the door was shut. He knocked twice and waited, but there was no response. He knocked again. Miss Saiki, he said from outside the door, are you all right? Gently, he turned the knob. The door was unlocked. Oshima opened it a crack and peered inside and saw Miss Saiki face down on the desk. Her hair had tumbled forward, hiding her face. He didn't know what to do. Maybe she was just tired and had fallen asleep. But he had never once seen her take a nap. She wasn't the type to doze off at work. He walked into the room, 
and went over to the desk. He leaned over and whispered her name in her ear, but still no response. He touched her shoulder, then held her wrist and pressed his finger against it. There was no pulse. Her skin retained a faint warmth, but it was already fading away. He lifted her hair and checked her face. Both eyes were slightly open. She looked as if she was having a pleasant dream, but she wasn't. She was dead. A trace of a smile was still on her lips. Even in death, she was graceful and dignified. Oshima thought. He let her hair fall back and picked up the phone on the desk. He had resigned himself to the fact that it was only a matter of time before this day came. But now that it had, and he was alone in this quiet room with a dead Miss Psyche, he was lost. He felt as if his heart had dried up. I needed her, he thought. I needed someone like her to fill the void inside me. But I was unable to fill the void inside her. Until the bitter end, the emptiness inside her was hers and hers alone. Somebody was calling out his name from downstairs. He felt as if he had been hearing it. He had left the door wide open and could hear the sounds of people bustling around. A phone rang on the ground floor. He ignored it all. He sat down and gazed at Miss Psyche. You want to call my name, he thought. Go right ahead. You want to call on the phone, be my guest. Finally, he heard an ambulance siren. It seemed to be getting closer. In a few moments, people would be rushing upstairs to take her away forever. He raised his left arm and glanced at his watch. It was 4.35, 4.35 on a Tuesday afternoon. I have to remember this time, he thought. I have to remember this day, this afternoon, forever. Kafka Tamura, he whispered, staring at the wall. I have to tell you what happened, if you don't already know.